0: All right, welcome to Creekside Church. Uh, Just a couple reminders this week. First of all, uh, this Wednesday night we'll be having a Creekside Prayer Night. So from 6:30 to 7:30 this Wednesday night, come on out and we'll have a concert of prayer to uh, pray together for our church and for our nation. Uh, So 6:30 on Wednesday, and then don't forget, uh, man, this month is going fast. This Saturday already is the wedding shower. For Brooke and Aaron, from 2 to 4 on Saturday, they would be excited for uh, all the ladies to show up and partake in that with them. Uh, Before we continue our time of singing and worship, I just want to read a few verses from Psalm 57. Psalm 57 says, Be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me, for in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings, I will take refuge till the storms of destruction pass by. I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame him who tramples on me. God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. You know, we had quite a a picture this week of God's power. For those of us that were sheltered in our basements and uh, just listening to the wind howl by outside just a reminder of god's strength and his power Uh, but i love this verse uh, in the shadow of your wings i will take refuge till the storms of destruction pass by And you know those storms aren't always uh, wind and rain Uh, those storms can be many trials and tribulations in our lives but no matter what they are uh, just that opportunity to take refuge in the wings of the mighty one of God and it says he will send from heaven and save me he will put to shame him who tramples on me God will send out his steadfast love and faithfulness uh, just an encouragement to us all that God will send his steadfast love uh, he will watch over us no matter what happens and you know we think about the year and it's been an eventful year so far but no matter what happens uh, God is with us
1: Morning, Creekside. Uh, sorry, we can't be with you this morning. We love you. We miss you. We just wanted to, to, you know, to kind of take it safe this morning. We had some friends over last weekend to our house, and a few days later, their entire family was uh, diagnosed with COVID. And so that uh, has kind of left us um, just feeling the need to probably stay away this morning. Uh, but I'm speaking. Uh, we're all feeling great, and because I'm speaking, you got to hear from me one way or another. I'm gonna. If I say something, you know, that you find halfway humorous, I'm just gonna in my mind know that you guys are just laughing uh, and enjoying my humor, and you know, feel free to give me some amens as I uh, want to hear from you. So I appreciate it. Uh, Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9 is where we're at today. I'm going to read starting in verse 1 while you guys turn there. Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own town. Some men brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. At this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, This fellow is blaspheming. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, Why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, get up, take your mat, and go home. Then the man got up and went home. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe, and they praised God who had given such authority to man. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your Son, who is the great healer. God, as we we read and we look at this story this morning, God, we pray that you would speak to our hearts. Help us to learn from every one of these individuals that encounter Jesus in this story. God, teach us what you want us to learn. We pray it and ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. What we want to look at is we want to look at the different uh, characters in this story, the different people in this story, and and see how they interacted and encountered Jesus and their response to that. And I think as we see this, there's a lot to learn from from each of these individuals. Um, The first people we see in this story, it says some men brought to him a paralyzed man. So, so some men. And this story is also to be found in Luke chapter 5 and Mark chapter 2. And Mark chapter 2, it gives us a little more detail. It says four men come, and they're trying to get this paralyzed man to Jesus. But what happened is they're at this house, and there's just crowds of people. And so they can't get to Jesus. But these men, I'm convinced, and that they were convinced that Jesus could heal them that Jesus could heal their paralyzed friend. And so they'd probably heard Jesus' teaching. They would probably seen him. Uh, they maybe firsthand had seen him perform a miracle. And so here they are with their friend, and they're doing whatever they can to get him to Jesus. So much so that we see in Mark chapter uh, 2 that they have to go onto the roof of this house, okay, and lower their friend into the house. Now, I don't know how they you know, remove the roof or whatever they did. I'm sure these people uh, probably didn't appreciate it all that much, whoever owned the house, but here they are lowering their friend, going to this great length to get their friend to Jesus. And I'm always fascinated. I read that story and I love it because it's a great picture, right? We are called the Great Commission. We're, We're called to go into all the world, to the ends of the earth, to all nations and preach this good news of who Jesus is and what he's done and how he is the great healer right? How he can forgive people their sins, how they can have new life through Jesus. And so these guys, they want, they want so desperately for their friend to be healed that they do whatever it takes. And so what we want, I think for us is to get this picture of, man, what kind of lengths will we go to? This is a time right now uh, convinced that, you know, with everything going on in the world and people maybe had never uh, encountered death or encountering maybe loss of of family or friends or just the fear of getting sick, the fear of dying. And, you know, it's, it's not that we want people to be fearful and then turn to Jesus. We want people to see the need that they have. But it's a time when maybe more than ever, people are open to, who is Jesus? You know, what, what does happen at, when this life is over? And so I, I look at this and I, I see these guys who so desperately wanted their friends to encounter Jesus. And for me, it's a reminder. Like, what do, I, do I desperately want my friends, my, my family, those I interact with that don't know Jesus? What, what will I do that they could meet Jesus, that they could encounter the great healer, the great physician, the one who forgives them of their sins, that gives them life and life abundant. So they bring their friend uh, to be healed physically. And so I'm thinking they're probably a little taken back when, what does Jesus say, right? I mean, they're probably expecting, they show up and the crowd is probably expecting, Jesus is gonna say, you know what? Take your mat, get up and walk. Head home, right? Be healed. But that's not what happens here, right? What does Jesus say? Take heart, son. Your sins are forgiven. Not what they were expecting. Not where they were wanting. But Jesus recognized some. See, to them, right, what's the immediate need? The immediate need is, right now, he needs to be healed. Right now, he needs to walk. In their minds, in everyone else's minds, they think Jesus has a little more of an immediate problem than saying, take... Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. But Jesus is saying, no, he doesn't. His most immediate need, the most important thing, and the most basic thing is a right relationship with God. It's not that he can't walk. It's not that he's sick. It's not any of those other things. His most immediate need is Jesus. Because guess what? He could be healed physically, but at some other point in his life, he, he may have a greater need. Sickness, death, whatever. Like it's going to come back. It's going to return. It does for every single one of us. The most immediate need that he has is to understand a right relationship with God. Take heart, son. Your sins are forgiven. Physical health, being paralyzed, dealing with COVID, material prosperity, you know, all those things, those aren't those are, are are real things that we need to work through real things we need to pray for. We want to see people healed. We want to see people uh, get over sickness, right? We are supposed to pray for those things, but nothing is more important than a right relationship with God. And we know, and we'll see in the story that, you know, Jesus does eventually heal him. And we'll see, in fact, that the Bible does teach that, you know, the, the body's just not some sort of prison for the soul, right? Like it's a temple and Throughout the Bible, it's talking about, you know, hey, our body's going to be resurrected, right? New heavens, new earth. And and so, you know, the, the body and the physical is important, but it's not the most important. It's not primary. The Bible takes our physical very seriously, and you'll see it throughout Scripture. But as significant as the physical is, and Jesus does heal him and wants him to be healed, it's not the primary thing. It's not the most important There is something more important, and if you don't connect with that, you won't live life well, right? He could heal him physically, but if he's not healed spiritually, like in the end, what's the point? What's the point? Jesus wants him to be healed spiritually, and the friends they they don't know that they just they want their friend. They the immediate need is hey a physical healing. But what is pressing is that new relationship with God. What's he say? Take heart, son. Your sins are forgiven. I love the gentleness in which he approaches it. Uh, because, you know, it's not something, uh, It's a, a relationship with God is, it's not like a boss with an employee, right? It's not like a master with a slave. It's like a father with a child. It's a father and a son. There's a, a relationship that needs to, to be restored. And that's what Jesus is trying to point, point him to. So no matter else, uh, what else you think is important, the most important is that you have a restored relationship with the Father. And even if he got that healing tonight, you're going to be sick again. Something else, far worse, could happen and throw you off. But what you need more than anything else is to be reconciled with God and your sins to be forgiven. That's the immediate need. That's what matters most. Like, you know, you think of everything that's going on in this world and the poverty that's in this world. And, you know, you, you, you hear about all the racism in this world and we're dealing with COVID right now and all these things that are like, man, God just heal this world. Like the physical matters, but the most important thing is that people are going to be restored and healed in a relationship with God the Father. That they would look to God and they'd turn to Jesus and they'd be able to say, man, God is my Father. I have a right relationship with Him. That's the primary thing. Do we want to pray for those things, that God would heal and do all of that? Absolutely. Absolutely we do. But the primary is, just like we were talking about at the beginning, Man, how can we bring people to say they have a right and, and point people to have a right relationship relationship with Jesus. Maybe you don't have a physical problem. Maybe you're not like the paralyzed man, but you could have some other issue, right? You, you could have been wronged or you could have been abused. And sometimes we, we hold on to those things, right? When someone has wronged us, we don't want to let it go. But Jesus is calling us to forgive, and we need to first understand the forgiveness of God. If we're going to truly be able to, 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 to let those feelings go and not harbor those hard feelings towards people, because let me tell you, if, if you hold on to those things and you, uh, and you harbor those, those hard feelings, man, it's, it, it's just going to rot in your soul. We need to know and understand the forgiveness of God and be reconciled with Him first. And so we see in this story, we see these guys that they bring this paralyzed man to him, and then we see this paralyzed man who encounters Jesus. All right, I had to go get that dog out of here. But we've hit the first uh, first couple different individuals in this, right? We we saw the friends that took that uh, their paralyzed friend to Jesus. We saw the paralyzed man encounter Jesus. But next is something for the reader, and maybe even for those that were there that day, but even for us, that there's something meant for us to see. See, Jesus goes up to this man who, in all accounts, Mark 2 and Matthew 9, Luke 5, has not said a thing. All three accounts show us nothing was said. And I think that's, that's relevant. And what does he say to him? Son, your sins are forgiven. Okay? Now, if you read the Bible from beginning to beginning, There's something we see as truth throughout, that there is no forgiveness without repentance. There's no forgiveness without repentance. Like Jesus just doesn't come up and say, hey, I forgive you, and I forgive you, and I forgive you. And God just doesn't look at a, a broken world, and every time we screw up, oh, I forgive you, I forgive you. Right? There's no forgiveness without repentance. And he tells him, son, your sins are Forgiveness. And God will grant forgiveness, but you have to repent. God doesn't look at the world and see us doing bad things and say, oh, okay, you're forgiven. But it does say, John, 1 John 1 9, it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There is no forgiveness without repentance. But yet, what we see here, what does Jesus do? Son, your sins are forgiven. And the guy hasn't spoken a word, has not spoke a word. Now, we understand that Matthew, or more importantly, Jesus is not overturning everything else we see in the Bible that we've been taught about this. If we understand the truth, what we just talked about, that in order to have forgiveness, we have to repent. If we understand that truth, and I think that is, uh, we will grant that here. I think we should. Then, then how do we explain it? I think a little later in verse 4, you're going to see a little more. And when it's talking about, uh, it says, knowing their thoughts, and he's talking about, we'll go back to verse 3. It says, at this, some of the teachers of law said in themselves, this fellow's blasphemy. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus responds. Knowing their thoughts, knowing what's going on in their hearts and their minds, he responds. What do you, what's he say? Why do you entertain such evil thoughts? See, he knows their heart and their thoughts. And this makes sense, right? Jesus is God, and being God, he knows their heart, and he knows their thought. He has that ability, and knowing that we understand what's going on with this paralyzed man, that there must have been some unarticulated desire for grace and mercy and forgiveness in this man's heart. Maybe he had encountered Jesus, maybe he'd heard Jesus' words, but in some way, Jesus must have known what this was going on in this man's heart. And even if it's an imperfect and it's unexpressed, it seems Jesus knows his heart and responds with forgiveness. See, and it's key, isn't it, right? Like Jesus isn't some, you know, master, he's not some teacher or principal or whatever that, hey, you, you've gotta come, you gotta say you're sorry, you gotta do it, right? I mean, like Jesus is, is just wanting, just wanting to offer this to us. I think one of the, the best stories that illustrates this in the Bible is the story of the prodigal son, right? And you know the story of the prodigal son. He leaves, he takes his inheritance, he spends it, he loses it, and he's going to come home. Basically, with his tail in between his legs, he's going to come home and maybe, I hope to be a slave, you know, in, in, uh, with my dad. And so he's, he's returning, and his dad, from a distance, sees him coming, right? So here, here's his son coming. No, no words spoke, but what, the, what does the father do? The father runs to him. Right, with open arms, and welcomes him back, welcomes him. And this is the picture of Jesus, right? Like, all we really got to do is we just got to make a nudge. Like Jesus, I'm sorry. Uh, asking for forgiveness. And so I don't know what's, what's going on uh, in this man's heart, but, but I, I can tell, and I know just from what the Bible tells us, that his heart must have been soft, must have been uh, repentant, And so Jesus recognized that. Because Jesus, God, knows your heart and knows your thoughts. And he recognized that. And so, you know, we we see it. And for us and and those that were there that day and for us reading it now, uh, just kind of the importance of that. The the last group and the last people we see uh, were the religious leaders. And I think their response tells us more about Jesus than any other part of this text. And, and it's right, his response to them is it's not a great, uh, great response. Listen to what they say. At this, right after he had said, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. At this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, This fellow is blaspheming. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, why, why do you entertain evil thoughts in your heart? Right? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, get up, take your mat, and go home. And they're right, right? When they they see this and they say, only only God has the power to forgive sins, right? Why, Why is he blaspheming? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And they're right. Only God can do that. And people often, you know, ask how. Which is easier, your sins are forgiven or you are healed? To show you that I have the power, he goes on to heal this man. Uh, the Greek word here, to get up, right? He says, get up, take your mat, and go home. It's an unusual word, and it's actually the same word that Mark uses in Mark 16, when we're looking at Easter, right? We're looking at the resurrection when it said Jesus arose and got up. And he's signaling something here. I think the author, you know, really Jesus is signaling something when he talks about that. See, the only reason that he can command this man to get up is that he himself is one day going to rise, one day going to get up. He went to the cross And he conquered sin and death, and then he rose again on the third day to conquer death, to conquer sin. And only he has the power to do that. See, at this moment, someday Jesus was going to go and he was going to lay down in death and rise for justification. If someone wrongs me, I can forgive them, right? So it's it's so much easier. And he's asked the question, you know, what's easier? To say, you know, get up and walk, but that that your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk. So you may know that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins. Like, I can tell him to get up and walk. Which one's easier? Right? But for Jesus to forgive all our sins, that's harder. It's harder than to say, get up and walk. Why? Why is it harder? Because for Jesus to have the power to be able to say that, He had to lay his life down. He had to go to the cross. That is why he can do it. That is why he can say it. So as we take this time now for the bread and the juice, we want to reflect that. We want to reflect on that and think about this incredible thing that Jesus has done. Our sins can be forgiven because of what he did because He laid down his life, and then on the third day, he got up. Let's pray. God, we thank you. Uh, We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the life that we can have in him, that our sins can be forgiven. God, we pray that uh, for us that that don't know, that haven't been reconciled to the Father, that haven't had our sins forgiven, God, that we can just come to you. That All you want is just, just for us to nudge your way, and you are waiting with open arms a picture of the the prodigal son returning. God, you're waiting for us to come home. May we do that. God, for for those of us that know you, have trusted you as we take the bread and the juice, God, we remember your body broken, your blood that was shed. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
2: to uh, make a comment or two in light of what uh, Kyle had said about the the person and work of Jesus and what he has done on the cross in uh, Ephesians chapter 1 Paul says in him in Christ we have redemption even the forgiveness of our sins and it's uh, what a beautiful picture in that uh, story in Mark chapter 9 or or Matthew chapter 9 I'm sorry where uh, the paralytic Is there, and if we looked at the parallel passage in Mark chapter two, we'd say Jesus, seeing their faith, said, "Your sins are forgiven." And you know, I've I've read that a lot of of times, and I thought, well, it was because of the faith of the men who lowered the man down. You know, like Kyle said, wouldn't that be crazy? Some of people last week had the roofs blown off. Uh, These people actually tore the roof apart to lower. The man into the man's house uh, where Jesus was and Jesus saw their faith not just the faith of the people who lowered him but I think also the faith of the man who was lowered so in keeping with what Kyle said and so it is Jesus who is able to forgive our sins and it's through his death on the cross that he paid the debt that we owe Because God's wrath was against all sin. He's holy God, so he must punish sin. And only through Christ's death on the cross can, as a perfect sacrifice, can that debt be paid by someone other than me or you. And so when Jesus did that on the cross, as we were reminded in the first service this morning, he, that is God, made him, that is Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So at the cross... When his body was broken and his blood was shed, he made a way that we could be forgiven. And as you, you take the the bread and the cup, as you take the little cup that's in front of you, as you see fit, if you're here this morning and know Christ as your Savior, we invite you to do that. The, the little top peel off takes care of the bread, opens the bread, and then the bottom opens the cup. So as the praise team plays, Uh, Just take some time and uh, examine your heart and get your heart right before God. If there's any sin in your life that needs to be confessed, do that. And then when you feel led, uh, take of the bread and the cup. And uh, we'd enjoy to do that. I'm just gonna pray. Father, thank you uh, for your son, Jesus, who paid the debt uh, that we owed so that we could live. As we take this bread and this cup, we remember what Jesus did for us And we proclaim his death on our behalf until he comes. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Just take a moment to bow your heads and be quiet before God.
3: say That's